Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents part four of his series, Tools of Prayer for America. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tools of prayer for America. Amen. And this week we're going to be talking about the name of Jesus. For those who might be hearing this series for the first time and for those who might have missed some of the sessions, I encourage you to go to our podcast, listen to the series in its entirety, or pick up the sessions that you might have missed. I had a dream on the 6th of July in 2018 in which I saw darkness looming over a large and diverse gathering of American Christians. And in that dream, the Lord asked me to issue a call to prayer for America, which I did when I first taught this series in August and September of 2018. At the time of the dream, it didn't seem like the American church was paying attention to the looming darkness. I could see the darkness getting darker and darker, but they didn't seem to see it at all. But two years later, things have gotten so dark so quickly that I believe Christians are finally paying attention. Finally getting woke and getting woke for the right reason. Amen. Exploiting racial tensions and using the coronavirus as a cover, the enemy has launched an all-out attack against the Church of America and the foundations of our nation. Consequently, I felt led of the Lord to reissue the call to prayer that I received in that dream two years ago. Now, in that dream, he gave me a giant toolbox and asked me to remind the Christians of America that they had tools that they could use to pray more powerfully and more effectively for America. In order to push back the darkness that threatens to overtake us, We need to pray that righteousness, truth, and justice, and life, and liberty reign in our nation. In every sphere of influence, in every city, in every state, in every election, whether it's local, state, or national. This is especially true of the upcoming presidential and congressional elections in November. Christians, hear me out. You are duty-bound to listen to the Holy Spirit. When you consider who to vote for, no matter what office they may be seeking. I've said it already many times, but I'll say it again. It's not about Republican or Democrat. It's not about liberal or conservative. It's not about party, and it's not about personality. It's about righteousness. Which candidate stands for righteousness and which candidate does not? If you're a Christian, you should vote for biblical values and biblical principles to reign in America. Period. If we pray for and we vote for righteousness in our nation, it will enable God to implement His agenda for our country. If we do not, it will hinder Him greatly. So getting back to the toolbox, here are some of the tools that the Lord showed me that we needed to use to pray for America. Number one, binding and loosing. 
Matthew 16, 19. Number two, the prayer of agreement. Matthew 18, 19. Number three, the name of Jesus. Acts 16, 18. Number four, the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 10, 19. Number five, fasting and prayer. Matthew 17, 21. Number six, spirit-led prayer. Ephesians 6, 18. One of the things I want you to notice in this list, I put this list down as I felt led of the Lord to list these things out. And I didn't really realize at the time that the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus were at the center of this list. I believe it was the Holy Spirit making me aware that all of the tools of prayer that we utilize are rooted and grounded in the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now remember, you can use these tools to pray for yourselves, your families, your loved ones, your fellow saints. But we're going to focus on how we can use them to pray for America. So far, we've discussed the prayer of binding and loosing and the prayer of agreement. Now we're going to talk about the name of Jesus, which we just sang about. Amen. First of all, as I've already alluded to, the name of Jesus is the name from which all of our prayers derive all of their authority. And it was his shed blood that elevated the name of Jesus above all names that represent power and authority. Isn't that right? So I think it's fitting that the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus are in the center of this list. And central to all the other types of prayer that we might use to pray for America. Amen. I want to start this session by reading some key passages in Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4. Because I think it's fascinating how much we can learn from each time the name of Jesus is mentioned. If you would turn with me to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3 we will be starting at verse 1. And reading through verse 16. I'll be reading in the New King James Version. Everything I'm going to read today is going to be from the New King James Version. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Remember that old song? He went walking and leaping and praising God. Amen. 
And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Amen. Now, there's so much in this passage. I'm not going to be able to cover everything that the Lord is speaking to me through this passage, but I'm going to hit some pretty good high spots. First of all, I want to go back and I want to reread verse 5 and 6. Verse 5 and 6. Talking about the lame man, looking at Peter and John, verse 5 says, So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up. And walk. So the first thing I want you to notice in these verses is that the lame man expected to receive something from Peter and John. Now he probably didn't know what was in store for him, but he nevertheless expected something from them. And by the way, they were on their way into the temple, so you could say they were on their way to church. Amen. So what does that say to me? It says when you come to church, you should come expecting to receive something from God. You should also come expecting to give something to someone else in the name of Jesus. You should come to church with an air of expectancy. Amen. The second thing I want you to notice is that Peter says, this is my paraphrase, I don't have any money on me right now, but what I can do is give you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Never forget that as a born-again, spirit-filled believer, the name of Jesus belongs to you. The name of Jesus belongs to you, and you have the authority, and you have the right to use that name in your words and in your deeds. Now you can read on in the book of Acts about the seven sons of Sceva. Who tried to cast a devil out of a man in the name of Jesus. And they weren't born again. They weren't spirit filled. They weren't authorized to, to use the name of Jesus. And they said something to this demon possessed guy like this. 
come out of him in the name of Jesus who Paul talks about. And they said, Jesus we know, and Paul we know, but who are you? And you know the story. They tore into these guys, ripped all their clothes off, and they ran out of this room, wherever this demon-possessed guy was, naked. Why? Because they were not authorized to use the name of Jesus. But we are, if we're believers. The third thing I want you to see is the title used. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. When you go through the Gospels and the book of Acts and read the title Jesus Christ, that essentially means Jesus the Anointed One, and it's emphasizing His divinity. When you read the title Jesus of Nazareth, it's tying Him to a fixed location and a mother and a stepdad in Nazareth, on planet Earth, it is emphasizing His humanity. Amen. But there are only two places where you find Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Acts chapter 3, verse 6, and later in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. So what is this saying? Jesus, the anointed one of Nazareth, is emphasizing both His divinity and His humanity. Amen. This was no ordinary guy. He was 100% divine and he was 100% man. 100% God and 100% man. I remember when I taught the life of Jesus in the Bible school that I ran back in Louisiana. I would hammer that question over and over and over again in my 11-week course. Along with foot stompers. In the military... Foot stompers were given by instructors to let you know you're going to hear that again. It was your clue to write it in your notes so that you didn't forget it and you could get the exam question right. And even though I foot stomped my way through 11 weeks of the life of Jesus and I told them that Jesus was 100% God and 100% man, half the class still missed the question anyway. It was true or false. Jesus Christ was 50% God and 50% man. True or false? Half of them said true. Half of them said false. I'm like, are you listening to the words that are coming out of my mouth? To quote Jackie Chan or Rush Hour. Delayed reaction. Somebody finally laughed. Chris Tucker. Amen. Amen. So listen to me. With all that in mind, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Just as Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of Man, was filled with the Spirit and given authority to represent God the Father to the nation of Israel... Peter and John, son of men, were filled with the Spirit of God and were given authority to represent Jesus Christ to the nation of Israel and then to the nations of the world. Amen? Everybody with me so far? So like Peter and John, the Christians of our nation have been filled with the Spirit of God and have been given authority to represent Jesus Christ to the United States of America. 
and then to the nations of the world. And we can start by lifting up the name of Jesus over America and praying for America in the name of Jesus. Let's reread verse 10 and 11. Talking about the lame man that they all knew begged at the gate for 40 years, but now was healed and walking. Pick it up at verse 10. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So it drew a crowd. They were filled with wonder and amazement and greatly wondered at the miracle which had been performed for the lame man they were all familiar with. Acts chapter 2 verse 43 says that many wonders and signs were done by the apostles after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. But it just so happens that this is the first time a specific miracle performed in the name of Jesus was recorded in the New Testament. And for that reason, it's very significant. And for that reason, we can learn a lot from what happened here. Amen. Amen. All right, let's reread verses 12 and 13. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. When you use the name of Jesus in word, in deed, or in authority, all glory rightly shifts from you to Jesus Christ, the one you represent. When Peter told the lame man to rise and walk in the name of Jesus, he was representing Jesus when he did. Amen. In fact, that's what is meant when you use the name of Jesus in conjunction with the demand. I'm demanding something in the name of Jesus means I'm demanding something representing him just as if Jesus were here personally. You're saying, in effect, I'm doing these things in the name of or representing Jesus Christ, the resurrected Son of God. You're not demanding it of God. You're demanding it be done because it was legally bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are demanding the forces that are withholding to release this thing. Because it's already yours in the name of Jesus. It's already yours because of the blood of Jesus. It's already yours because of what he did in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. You are not making a demand on God. This is widely reported about word of faith preachers. God is sitting on the throne. Jesus is sitting on the right hand. They've done everything they're going to do about sin, sickness, disease, and poverty. You have to take what belongs to you now. 
Let me give you an example in Scripture. John 14, verse 12 and 13. John 14, verse 12 and 13. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now, most people assume this is talking about prayer. But if you go two chapters later, In John chapter 16, you'll find Jesus saying, Hitherto you've asked nothing in my name, but now go to the Father and ask certain things in Jesus' name, and he will give them to you. That's prayer. Hitherto is a wonderful word, isn't it? (laughs) I think it means up until now. (laughs) So we'll say it like that. Up until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Now... Go to the Father and ask in my name, and he will give you such and such. But here, if you read the context of John 14, it's not really talking about prayer. It's talking about doing the works of Jesus in the name of Jesus. And Jesus says, when you do, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Listen to this. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So whatever you ask, require, or demand in Jesus' name, Jesus is saying, I got your back. It'll be just like I was there. I am backing you. Because you're doing this not in your own power or ability. You're doing this in my power and ability. Nevertheless, you are representing me. So I'm going to make sure it happens. So listen, word to the wise. Don't be afraid to pray for the hard cases. Because you have this question in the back of your mind. What if nothing happens? Guess what? It's not up to you whether something happens or not. It's up to him. Pray for him anyway in the name of Jesus. Because Jesus said, greater works you will do because I'm going to the Father. Amen. You know, that's worth a month's worth of meditation. Meditate on that. John 14, 12, and 13. And then look for places to be turned loose in the name of Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, let's move on. Let's reread verses 14 through 16 and see what we can learn. Peter says to the people that gathered around this great miracle, this lame man walking again, walking and leaping and praising God, Peter says, but you denied the Holy One and the just, and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life whom God raised from the dead of which we are witnesses. This is so key. Listen to verse 16. And His name, that is the name of Jesus, and His name through faith in His name has made this man strong whom you see and know. 
couple of things I want you to see here. First of all, the word used in verse 15 that's translated as prince of life actually is better translated as author of life. Author of life. So get this. So Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, preaching to those who call for the crucifixion of Jesus, makes it clear just exactly who it was that they put to death. This is my paraphrase. Don't you realize who you crucified? You crucified the author of all life on planet Earth. Do you realize what you've done? But no need to despair. God's already raised him from the dead. And he's already forgiven you. All you have to do is receive that forgiveness. Amen. Mind you, at the end of this great sermon that we just tapped into just a couple verses, 3,000 people came to Jesus that day. Amen. So he must have got through to him. Amen. So I say if Jesus was and is the author of life, then he must be the author of America. As the word of God, he held our destiny as a nation in his bosom before the universe was created. And if anybody can resurrect this nation from the death that's trying to overtake us and help us fulfill our calling as a nation, it is the risen Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. The second thing I want you to see is in verse 16. It was by the name of Jesus and everything that that name represents. And through faith in that name, that this man who was lame from his mother's womb was completely healed and made to walk uprightly. Now, the Bible says later on that he was over 40 years of age. That's a generation. Hear me out here. Symbolism is laced throughout the scripture, as you well know. This creeping darkness that's coming against America didn't start overnight. In my view, it really started picking up steam about 40 years ago or about a generation ago. So I say if the name of Jesus can heal a man that was lame for 40 years and make him walk uprightly, hear me out, then the name of Jesus Christ can heal our nation and make America walk uprightly again. How's that for a campaign slogan? Make America walk uprightly again. In the name of Jesus. That was a runner. Any runners in the house? <laughs> I need to be the first one. All right. Praise the Lord. All right. If I run, I'll never finish. Acts chapter 4, verse 7 through 12. And we'll finish off with this. Acts chapter 4, verse 7 through 12. All right, a little bit of background. After 
it comes to the attention of the religious authorities about this miracle that we've been talking about. Peter and John and the disciples were pretty much called to account for their actions before the religious leaders of the day. Starting here at verse 7. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The word translated as salvation in this last verse is the Greek word soteria. You've heard me talk about it before. It literally means deliverance, preservation, safety, salvation. I like to say it like this. It means salvation in the most complete sense of the word. Spirit, soul, and body. So there are two major ways we can use the name of Jesus in our prayers. Specifically in our prayers for America. Number one, we can pray to the Father in Jesus' name. The name that represents everything he did for us in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And intercede for the deliverance, preservation, safety, and salvation of America. Amen. Number two, we can lift up the name of Jesus over America and do everything we can, empowered by him, to introduce that name to every sphere of influence out there. Especially, Christians, your circle of influence, where you have the most influence. So that America is changed by that name, through faith in that name, into the covenant nation we were destined to become. Amen. So let me wrap up this session by offering another sample prayer for America using the name of Jesus in the way that I've described. Let me preface it by saying this. Verse 12 makes it clear that America's only hope is Jesus. There is no plan B. Beyond Jesus. It's either Jesus or darkness. It's either Jesus or failure. It's either Jesus or America becomes something we will not recognize. There is no plan P. There is no plan B. Jesus is America's only hope. So I'm going to read this prayer to you. Listen, in the spirit, just agree with me as we put this down on tape. So that the podcast listeners can hear it later. And so that you can listen to it later. Heavenly Father, we come to you interceding on behalf of our nation, the United States of America. 
We ask that you stir the hearts of the body of Christ in America to rise up and be the glorious church that you have called us to be. Fan the embers that remain from the great fires of revival that once swept through our land. Lord, let the church of America be raised from deadness to newness of life so that once again we become the conscience of the nation and shake this nation with the power of God. As we boldly preach the word of the Lord in every city and every state, confirm the word we preach through mighty signs and wonders in the name of Jesus as you have promised in your word. As we lift up the name of Jesus in every sphere of influence, Lord, let the people see that he is the author of life. He is the author of America, and it's his name that means salvation. Remove the veil from their eyes and help them see that faith in the name of Jesus brings deliverance, preservation, safety, and salvation to all of America. In the mighty and matchless name of Jesus and everything that name represents, we pray, amen. All right, stay tuned next week as we continue our series on tools of prayer for America. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed part four of Dr. Forrest's series, Tools of Prayer for America. If you were blessed by this message and would like to donate to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at gofaithlife.com. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, Come join us on Sunday at 9.45 a.m. for coffee and fellowship and 10.30 for worship and service. If you would like to learn more about us and hear more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.